Hello, football fans. This is the 100 Yards Away podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Fernandez, ready to give you the first official episode of my podcast, part one of free agency. And there's a lot of information and stuff and moves that we have to get into, guys. You know, this has been an interesting free agency thus far. As you know, there's no offseason in the NFL. So there's a lot to delve into and we shall get started. And first, we must talk about, we can't neglect the big, big trade between the Houston Texans and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, does any Houston Texans fan want to explain to me what is going on with Bill O'Brien here? You know, to get into the details, Bill O'Brien ended up trading away arguably his best player, his, this phenomenal receiver, one of the best to ever do it, to be quite honest, DeAndre Hopkins in his prime to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for a bag of peanuts. Now, I don't know what's going on here. You know, um, I want to I include an analogy here, and this may not be the most fitting analogy, but you understand where I'm going. You know, it's like when a defendant goes into, into court without a, without a lawyer, just defending himself, you know, no lawyer to cross his T's and dot his I's to help bail him out. You know, this reminds me of Bill O'Brien, the Houston Texans without a general manager who is there to do what Bill O'Brien is trying to do and to make his team better, and he's just making it worse. You know, as you guys can remember, last year, around this time last year, you know, he gave away two precious first-round picks as well as a second-round pick for the left tackle Laramie Tunsil of the Miami Dolphins, who is a very good left tackle, understandably so, but he's, uh, he's just given up too many precious gems for one small bit of, a, of an asset to help his team. Um... You know, I think I think the Houston Texans may be regressing here at some point going forward. And, you know, I think the patience is running very thin with Bill O'Brien here. You know, gave up to go back to the Hopkins deal. You know, he gave him up as well as a fourth round pick in return for David Johnson, um, the Cardinals 40th overall pick, you know, second round, early second round this year and a fourth round pick from the Cardinals for the following draft next year. You know, David Johnson, once upon a time, was projected to be one of the best wide, excuse me, running backs in the NFL. You know, his early days with Bruce Arians, he was really ascending very quickly as a very young rookie. And, you know, suffered a bad injury in 2017 that basically limited him to just one game. And he has never reached that pinnacle since. He never, he, he has not become what he, what we thought he'd become. Um, so I don't know what's going on with Bill O'Brien in this decision here. I don't know if there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know of as media members or as fans. But, you know, a 27-year-old wide receiver who was a top three unquestionably, you know, made first-team All-Pro, one of the top two wide receivers in the NFL last year, and still, quite honestly, has at least five great years ahead of him. This guy's been very durable. He checks out all the boxes as a wide receiver. There is absolutely nothing he can't do at the wide receiver position. He is that special. And he's been nothing short of amazing for the Houston Texans the last seven seasons. Um, I don't think there's any current wide receivers in the roster that can quite fill his shoes. You know, Kiki Kuti, you know, he, he, he's an okay wide receiver. He's not, he's not big time. Will Fuller is a solid wide receiver who can get the job done. But is he a true number one wide receiver? I don't know. I know this upcoming draft, it's, it's, it's expected to be a very good wide receiver draft. So maybe they can grab somebody in the early second round with that second round pick from the Arizona Cardinals they received in this trade. But 
Deshaun Watson's going to have some big shoes to fill. He's going to have his work cut out for him. He may be running for his life, quite honestly. Not that he already has with the bad offensive line that he has outside of Tunsil. But just to try to find a guy open and try to make some more magic with his with his pure, raw, amazing talent, he's going to have to do some... He's going to have to put in even more work. There's, there's going to be a heavier workload on his shoulders for sure. And... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is pretty baffling, you know, but not for me. I mean, I'm a diehard Colts fan, so, you know, it definitely helps us out. DeAndre Hopkins has has killed us pretty much, just like in the same way Arian Foster used to back in his days with the Houston Texans. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has had his way with the Colts for the, for the most part. And so that definitely helps us and to elevate ourselves to finally um, take the crown from, of the take the crown of the AFC South and ascend from there. So thank you, Bill O'Brien. You know, I hope I hope the Texans keep you there for many more years to come. You know, I'm sure you'll help us out in many more ways. All right, so uh, moving on, moving on. There's a lot of other big moves that we have yet to talk about that I want to get into. You know, and the Dolphins, guys, the Miami Dolphins, they're making some big moves. They're spending quite a bit of money with the cap space that they've had. You know, I think they've come into this free agency with the most amount of cap in the NFL. I think nearly around the range of $90 million, which is a huge amount of money. You know, under second year, Brian Fowler is there trying, they're finally trying to ascend into the mediocre team they were last year. You know, they've had quite a few bad moments. Um, you know, they start off by signing Kyle Van Noy, you know, a former Patriots player who worked under Brian Flores back in, in the New England days, in his New England days, you know, a versatile guy who can play in space and ru rush the passer. You know, he is no slouch. You know, he, his versatility gives him some flexibility, and that's always good. You know, Byron Jones, one of the highest paid quarterbacks, if not the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, five years, $82.5 million, 57 guaranteed. 57 million guaranteed for Mr. Byron Jones. You know, he has been no slouch for the Dallas Cowboys the last five years after drafting him five years ago in the first round. You know, some stats here I have, you know, 53 completion percentage on throws against him back in 2019. I mean, that's that's pretty good, especially in today's past happy, past happy league. You know, he's a 2018 pro bowler. So, you know, he's definitely been one of their assets on defense. You know, I don't know Mark, DeMarcus Lawrence has got a lot of tension in that defense in the likes of uh, Leighton Vander Esch, you know, the long, young linebacker they've had the last two years. But Byron Jones has been an asset in the secondary, holding his own for the most part. Although his inability to intercept passes has been a problem, you know, it's always great to cause turnovers on defense. That's the number one thing you're looking for. So that's something, hope maybe in some way Brian Fuller can uh, improve upon him, his skill set to then live up to that contract and elevate himself as one of the very best cornerbacks in the NFL and get recognition for it. Um, you know, and yeah, they're making, they're trying to make a 2020 leap. The Dolphins are making moves. You know, they, have, they are absolutely loaded with draft picks, you know, trading away Laramie Tunsil in like again, going back to that trade with the Houston Texans last year, receiving those two first round picks for the Texans, one for this year and Houston's first round pick for next season as well. You know, they gave they traded away Minka Fitzpatrick, who hadn't worked out so well for them, not as quite as they expected to, to the Pittsburgh Steelers in exchange for the Steelers' first round pick. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick has elevated his his way to a superstar and being a first team all pro at safety, one of the top two safeties last season. So 
Miami Dolphins may be questioning that move now, but just remember he wasn't playing at that level with the Miami Dolphins. But, you know, a lot of moves they can do, a lot of ways they can upgrade if they want to trade up for one of these quarterbacks like a Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, or even maybe a Joe Burrow if they want to give up the house for it. They have more than enough ammunition to do so. It'll be, I'll be very interested to see what the Miami Dolphins do come draft day in late April, assuming it stays on that date. So, yeah. All right, so let's go on to the next topic here, please. The Colts' surprising move to trade the 13th overall pick to the 49ers for defensive and defensive lineman, I should say, DeForest Buckner. Now, a lot of people are assuming, you know, the Colts would go on to uh, draft a court, an available quarterback with the number 13th overall pick, you know, considering Jacoby Brissett is not, has not lived up to the expectations that he was expected to, to live up to. You know, he had a rough second half year last year, and many people don't see him as the future for the Colts. Um, but, you know, Chris Ballard made a surprising move. He made a, he made a move that us Colts fans are not accustomed to seeing him make. And, you know, I think with the defensive line, not only could we have used more depth, we need someone who can um, provide us some pass, rush, pass rushing ability. You know, I found out a crazy stat not too long ago. The Colts are the first team in NFL history to give up at least 70% completion percentage in back-to-back -back seasons to opposing quarterbacks. I mean, that's not very good. Obviously, you're not rushing the passer enough. That may have a lot to do with, you know, our ability, our inability to um, cover wide receivers and tight ends on a regular, on a consistent basis. And so with this moves, it gives us a lot of depth. This reminds me, this defensive line here is reminding me a lot of the Eagles from the 2017 season. A lot of high quality players who, who rotate frequently and can produce and rush the passer and provide run-stopping ability. You know, a lot of a lot of bodies that can throw around, a lot of fresh bodies at that. And so I think that's where the Colts are going. We may be, at this point, even more talented than that Philadelphia defensive line core from now three years ago. So it'll be interesting to see what the Colts do there. You know, I, you know they are ascending. They are one of the youngest teams in the NFL, and they are only getting better. So... I'm not hating on this deal. You know, we have this man for a, another five years. We just signed him to a four-year extension on top of the fifth-year option that he had received from the 49ers last year. And he, is, and he is in his prime, guys. You know, this is one of the most underrated defensive players in the NFL. I know a lot of people, you know, um, have given credit to Defensive Rookie of the Year, Nick Bosa, on that defensive line. But DeForest Buckner has been a huge asset, a huge asset to that defensive line. And I believe he will provide that ability for the Colts. You know, he's only missed one game in, in, in his four years with the 49ers. So a durability is a huge factor for us as well. And hopefully he can stay durable with the Indianapolis Colts going for, for years to come. So I'm excited about that. Um, and as for Ballard's decision, yeah, you know, I wonder what, what we're going to do with the quarterback position, guys. I really wonder what we're going to do with the quarterback position. You know, is Brissett going to stay the starter going forward? Does Ballard have a couple tricks off his sleeve? Is there someone that he may feel like may slide into the second round that he has his eye on that we don't know about? Obviously, he's not going to give all his secrets out on the bag. But it'll be interesting to see how he approaches the second round, especially with having two early round picks in that, in that draft, in this upcoming draft. So we'll see where we go there. Another trade, another trade, not too surprising. 
But, you know, with the B Bills and Vikings trade, you know, Vikings giving up Stephon Diggs, a guy that they signed to a, a five-year extension less than two years ago to be one of their core wide receivers for, for years to come. You know, I, I know there's been a little bit of dysfunction, a little on unhappiness between Stephon Diggs and the Vikings. I believe he got fined last year by the Vikings for missing team meetings. And his connection with Kirk Cousins hasn't always been the sweetest. You know, they've been a solid wide receiver quarterback duo, but it hasn't always been the sweetest. And, you know, he, is, he expressed his frustration a bit with a tweet, I believe, Monday morning, time for a new beginning. And he, he got what he had wanted, you know. He's going to have a new beginning with the Buffalo Bills and young quarterback Josh Allen to help elevate his game. I'm sure they can be a good duo, one of the better duos in the NFL. Time will tell. I'm looking forward to seeing how that connection goes. And the Vikings got a pretty good deal in return, getting the Bills' sec 22nd overall pick in the first round in this year's draft. And five and three later, excuse me, three later round picks. Not just for this year, but for total. Not just for this year, but for next season as well. And, you know, with this being a very heavy wide receiver class, Vikings could absolutely get a quality wide receiver with that 22nd pick if they choose to go that route. And if not, you still have Mr. Adam Thielen, who's elevated himself to one of the best wide receivers in the NFL after being a late-round pick several years ago. You know, he's a phenomenal wide receiver. They still have Kyle Rudolph, one of the better tight ends in the NFL, and a quality offensive line that can help Dalvin Cook run the ball down the field if necessary. So they got that going for them. Um, I'd like to delve into a little bit of the CBA deals, guys. A little bit in the CBA deals. You know, for the next 10, 11 years, there have been quite a few changes. I heard that the votes were razor thin, about 60 uh, vote difference. You know, a lot of people are on board with this. They may not have gotten every single thing that they want out of the CBA, but for the most part, they liked what they wanted. I know many players are pretty aggravated, pretty upset at how this deal went about and that it, the fact that it went through. And understandably so to some degree, you know, I'm not on board with all the decisions and the details that have gone on with, with the CBA, but something had to get done. There had to be some type of middle ground, guys. It's not just going to be on one side, you know. And part of this, you know, let's face it, part of it is players wanted to get their checks. Some A lot of these players need to get their checks for the most NFL, most of NFL players are making minimum salaries, have made minimum salaries last year, I believe in the 60s, maybe 65% made minimum salaries. Part of the CBA is those type of NFL players who get minimum salaries going forward will see an increase. So that'll be good for them, you know, to be able to take care of themselves, their families, and have a little extra money in their pocket. But just simplify some of the details. I mean, this book was 400 plus pages long in the new CBA. So obviously, we're not going to, I'm not going to give you a whole spiel of it. You know, we're not going to go in an hour talking about the CBA, but just simplify some of the notable key, um, key rules, if you will. You know, I already stated, you know, 65% of NFL players in 2019 made minimum salaries. The 20% increase every year under this new CBA for one extra game. So players will be receiving 20% more every year in exchange for having a 17-game season, which I'm not on board, but I'll get to that later. So that is good. That helps. There will be two additional playoff games beginning in 2020, guys. There will be two additional playoff games, one in the... Each in the wild card round, I should say. And you know what that means? 
There will no longer be a first round bye for the number two seed. So the race for the number one seed and a first round bye will intensify. It will get so big, guys. It will be, get so, so big. I mean, this is, this is really huge. You know, a lot of, you know, I can imagine in the future when a number seven seed knocks off a number two seed, a lot of fans and teams of those players that, that from the number two seeds will, will be complaining about this new, new CBA, how they should have had a, second, a first round bye and should have played the best remaining opponent instead of having played the first round hosting a playoff game. I, I, I can imagine it happening. It will happen when that, when that upset happens. But this gives a little bit more like a uh, NCAA tournament feel, if you will, in, in some kind of fashion. Because once you get in, all bets are off. It's a whole new season in that manner. And anything can happen. So make things more, it will make things more interesting. You know, there'll be more football, even more football come January. And who knows, maybe one day, maybe sooner than later, we'll see a number seven seed playing the Super Bowl. How about that, guys? How about that? All right, so with the 17th game season, by the way, this will start between the 2021 season and the 2023 season. Now, this makes no sense to me. Remember they talked about an 18-game schedule in the past that they would put in the future? I mean, that made more sense. I wasn't even on board with that. But, you know, with a 16-game season between records and just... I mean, just everything was just perfect with the 16-game season, guys. I mean, it's it's pretty self-explanatory for the most part. I, I mean, I don't understand the 17-game season. To this day, to this moment, they don't have no idea how they're going to implement that 17-game season into the season. You know, f to have an odd amount of games in, a, in an NFL season, I mean, I don't know how that plays well. I don't know how that makes sense for the NFL you know, I think it's just greed over need for them to collect more money and find a way to give, you know, these minimum salary players extra money without without keeping everything the same, without keeping a 16-game season. You know, I think it's just a way to, to I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't get it. I'm still trying to process that. Maybe that's something for you in the future going forward with that, an, an, another opinion. But uh, another good addition, I think this was a quality smart addition that they did, was add two additional players on an active roster, game day active, game game day active players, and and two additional players in the practice squad. You know, as we all know, fifty three men active roster was how it's been for a long time, and then you are, you have to as a team as an organization, hours before a game, you might you have to play seven players in the on the inactive list. That means they cannot play in the game, that current game, no matter what. And, you know, with injuries being so prevalent a lot of times and players dropping like flies in some games, I think it's very important to have at least a couple extra bodies. And so that's what the NFL teams will have going forward. At least one of those guys, if I'm not mistaken, has to be an offensive line. And that's fine. You know, offensive line are very prone to getting injured, especially when there's a lot of bodies in that pocket. And feet are moving and people are diving and pushing with so much force. You know, offensive line are, are very vulnerable to getting hurt. So, so, that, so that was a smart move that they made. Uh, practice squad players too. You know, basically with these moves, it gives 64 players, 64 additional players who aspire to be in the NFL and stay in the NFL and make a career out for themselves a chance to make that leap onto the active roster and make a name for themselves. 
So that 64 additional dreams are, can possibly come true. That's very good. Of course, you know, in the league where there's already around 2,000 people, you know, I don't mind the extra 64 players trying to make a name for themselves, trying to make a career for themselves in this league where the career, average NFL career at lasts no more than four years. So that is impressive. I like that. No more suspensions for players who solely test for marijuana. You know, for the Josh Gordons of the world, just please stay off the weed. I mean, it's not going to do you any wonders. You know, what joint is worth? I, I don't get it. You know, is it really worth the money? Can it really help you out that much? Just stay off the weed, guys. Just put your full focus on your career and what you have to do and take that unnecessary negative attention away from yourselves. It's not worth it, guys. Please, it is not worth it. Let it go. Just let it be. You may not get the same scrutiny as you once did in the past going forward, but just let it go. It's not worth it. That's that's all I have to say about that. Um, and the salary cap increases to $10 million for, I believe, the seventh straight year. It is now $192 million for all NFL teams, and that is the most it's ever been. You know, the money the NFL is generating is a big cause for this. You know, obviously, the NFL is still doing very well in that regard. And it gives teams more flexibility to sign either a bigger name free agent or a bigger name player of their own that they want to keep. Or, you know, just like medium uh, medium contract players, you know, players would call it gives them an opportunity to keep more quality players that may not demand such big contracts, but players that can play an important role in them for the next few years. So it gives them more flexibility to keep more of their own players and to go up to players that they want. But with that also, you know, the market value rises for these players and they have to give out more. So it's so some people may not see it as much of a difference, but it's still $10 million extra nonetheless. It does not hurt. Um, and that is the early part of very early part of free agency. This is part one of of a few parts that I have for you. So thank you for listening and I'll have more coming up for you. Stay tuned. Peace.